What's up, guys? We are back, your high street freaks. I say freaks, I say we, but it's actually just one freak. It's me, Kevin. Ryan, you know, I believe he said something online and somebody got mad. They finally got him, you know? They finally got him. He's not going to be here this week, so we're going to run solo, and we are going to talk about the Bucks' performance against Purdue. Uh, you know, here's the thing. I think me and Ryan talked ourselves into this whole game being like we we were prepared for exactly the situation that I'm about to give you with Ohio State looking, you know, unreasonably good and giving us a little bit too much optimism heading into the week. And unfortunately, I think I'm there because I was actually really pleased with what I saw from Ohio State pretty much across the board. Um, you know, I, I think that was the most creative, um, successful, uh, fun offense I've seen Ohio State run in a very long time. You know, I, I think we'll start with the running game. Obviously, Travion Henderson was out, Mayan Williams was out, and uh, we were coming off an, a performance that was maybe the worst rushing performance I've ever seen from an Ohio State offensive line against Maryland. And, you know, this week I was prepared. Purdue's rush defenses, straight up horrible, like just just horrific. And I was prepared for, to really talk myself into Ohio State's running game being back. And I was prepared to not, you know, take it seriously when the run game looked improved. But the thing is, they actually made some schematic changes to the running game, and it wasn't just that the they executed the things that they tried last week better. And so that gives me a little more hope going into the future. I saw a lot more creativity in the running game. Um, they did a lot more run game reliefs where there were quick outlet passes to the outside. They used Xavier Johnson on sweeps a few times. Um, I don't know what the hell Evan Pryor was doing when he was in. That was really bizarre, but we... Clearly, he's just never going to see the field this year in any a meaningful, meaningful capacity, which is bizarre, but uh, it kind of makes sense given what we saw. Um, you know, Chip Traynham looked great, and honestly, Dallin Hayden, man, he, in terms of just being able to run the offense, and this is not the first time we've said this, we said it all last year, uh, in terms of just being able to run the offense as it exists and just hit the hole, go through it, get seven yards, call it a day. Dallin Hayden is the best running back for this offense. He just is. I I don't think that he is the home run threat that Travion Henderson is. I don't think that he's going to get hard yards in the way that uh, Chip Traynham or Mayan Williams will. But in terms of just like running the offense, running the play, finding the hole, following blocks, just doing his job, I think Dallin Hayden is the perfect back, you know? He is not the most physically gifted. He doesn't have the best size, doesn't have breakaway speed. He's not really like the sort of guy that's going to like he's not he's not the running back you want to write home about or anything like that. But just the offense is the healthiest when he is on the field. Um I'm not sure he's a great blocker. I don't really know that one way or another. I don't think they really put him in stressful blocking positions, but you know, Travion Henderson isn't a great blocker either. Um, so I, I don't know. It's it's one of those things where I love the upside that Trey specifically brings. Um, you know, I, obviously he had that huge home run against Notre Dame. Um, 
he is a threat to score every time he touches the ball, and I don't think Dallin has that. But when you have sort of offensive playmakers all over the field in terms of the wide receivers with Emeka Abuka, who also was out, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., um, Julian Fleming, even like Cade Stover, when your passing game is as healthy as it is, I just love the idea that your running back can just get the job done, you know? Um, so I don't, I'm, I'm not in the, in the camp that's like, you need to give all of Trey and Chip's reps to Dallin Hayden now. But to me, the fact that he was the running back that they decided was, you know, fourth or, uh, that deep on their depth chart and we're willing to redshirt him this year. That's just like insane to me. Like the offense clearly, clearly, and this is a two game sample because we watched him against Maryland last year. The offense clearly runs better when he is in the backfield. It just does. And, um, but I mean, more than, more than just like, it, it wasn't the same run game that we saw against Maryland that wasn't working. Um, I, I really, really, really liked, uh, how many, they put a lot less stress on the offensive line to, I guess, for all intents and purposes, be good. Um, they attacked the outside a lot more. They put the defense in conflict a lot more, whether it was an RPO or uh, even installing the quarterback run. You know, um, Obviously, they brought in Jack Sawyer. Not Jack Sawyer. Um, obviously, they brought in Devin Brown. Same number. That's what threw me off. Um Obviously, they brought in uh, Devin Brown for the red zone quarterback situations, uh, that, that little Tate Martell role slash J.T. Barrett role, and I kind of liked it. You know, I thought that was a horrible gimmick when they did it with Tate Martell um, and J.T. Barrett, but, you know, it, it really worked and it really opened things up in the red zone, especially when you know that they're going to run. Um, it's kind of that Tim Tebow role that Florida, you know, had success with back in 2006 when they beat Ohio State for the national title, you know, it, it, it worked. And obviously he had that one fumble, um, and it, it feels like a gimmick, and it feels like I shouldn't like it, but it really did open up the offense. Just the threat of the quarterback run is, you know, it, it, it really did do things. And you also saw that Kyle McCord had that one successful zone read where he pulled the ball and ran for like nine yards. And... I think just the threat of a quarterback running the ball opens up the run game a ton for the offense. And you even saw that with CJ Stroud a few times when he pulled the ball and uh, whether it was Michigan or um, it, it was Northwestern when he had his biggest runs um, and against Georgia, he used his legs a lot too. When, when the defense feels like it has to account for the quarterback's legs, it doesn't even really matter how good the quarterback is. It's just a willingness to run the ball. It it does wonders to the offense. And I think in terms of the red zone situation, when you can equalize numbers and have a ball carrier uh, just who can get you know a yard or two without getting touched or can just power right through into the line like that, I, it's awesome. You know, I, I, I am glad that they did that. Um, they even installed the, the famous Philly tush-push for a short yardage situation, they did a quarterback sneak. Uh, there was just so much on the offensive side of the ball that I just liked. You know, it it looked good. Um, it felt like the obvious answer. And, and maybe I'm just like talking myself into this being good and they're just going to revert back to, um, you know, the scared turtle that they've been the past few weeks when they play Penn State. I wouldn't be shocked about that. But in terms of just this game, 
I'm happy about it. You know, it, it looked, I, I'm not going to say the offense is like magically fixed. There were definitely some problems, but everyone was playing with confidence. Weirdly, Marvin Harrison Jr. dominated the game for the first, you know, drive or so. And weirdly, this might have been Marv's worst game in terms of just catching the ball, um, being a target wide receiver. And Ohio State's offense still looked super healthy. I think at the end of the day, this might have been, in my opinion, the most successful offense this year. You know, you can look back at Western Kentucky. Really, Ohio State just hit a lot of deep balls and um, a, a lot of big plays against Western Kentucky. I don't think that was like a healthy, consistent offense. What we saw against Purdue was a healthy, consistent offense that was building on itself and countering off of itself. Um, you know, I, I was just really happy with it. Um, and if, if Ohio State comes out and looks like that on offense against Penn State, I, I, I really think they have a chance. You know, I, I am, it is, it is as optimistic as I could have been after playing a game against Purdue. And it wasn't just because they came out and proved that they were better. It was schematically everything they did made sense. And I was, I was happy about that. Um, you know, obviously Xavier Johnson had an, an increased role because he was uh, kind of filling in for both the running backs and Emeka Abuka was out. I really think they need to get him more involved. I think that he is a versatile, dynamic guy um, that needs to have a role in the offense. And frankly, the, the fact that when he was in the backfield and sometimes they had him and Dallin Hayden slash Chip Trayanum in the backfield together, I really think it adds a threat of, you know, um, an outside run or a pass out of the backfield that really puts stress on a defense and especially the linebackers where they can't just play downhill and fill a gap and stop Ohio State's run. So um, I really like that wrinkle. I hope it stays. You could even do that with a Mecca Buka too. Um, but man, like I'm, I'm really excited about it. I am interested to see if the red zone quarterback stays for Penn State or... Maybe they just try to do the same thing with Kyle McCord. My thing is, Kyle McCord is just, I'd argue, close to as effective as a runner as Devin Brown. I'm not sure that it's a strong difference and even necessarily worth um, putting in Devin Brown, I guess, for those situations. But the one thing, the one upside that Devin Brown has in that situation is... uh, he's just more expendable. You know, if you if you get Kyle McCord hurt on a quarterback power or something like that when he's just like not built for that or, you know, might even be hurting already, it's that's that's not really what you want. So, I do like the idea of like when you're going to make the defense defend a quarterback run, it's fine when you want to run a zone read every now and then with Kyle McCord, but when you're going to put him in the red zone and the defense is going to have to like account for the quarterback run, I'm, I'm honestly fine with Devin Brown being the guy that goes in and takes the hits. He's a little bit bigger, um, a little bit more willing and able, has a little bit more running back in him. Um, he's played defense and stuff too. Like He makes tackles. He's good with contact, and I'm not sure that Kyle McCord necessarily is. So um, I, I like that move. We'll see if it stays. I am really interested to see him throw in the red zone because obviously – he was close to winning the starting quarterback job. He has a very effective arm. Um, you've seen him multiple times drop in a perfect ball. He had a perfect pass to uh, Carnell Tate 
earlier in, or later in the game too. So he's got an arm. I, I would trust him to run the offense in the red zone too, not just be a, a gimmick quarterback uh, kind of like Tim Tebow was in, in the red zone. So I'm interested to see what happens there. But all in all, very happy with what I saw from the offense. The defense also, I mean, I think this was the sort of game where if Ohio State didn't get a pass rush in this game, we were just going to kind of concede that it just wasn't going to happen. And they did. I, I, you know, the pass rush got home. I don't, I'm not looking at the numbers and I'm not going to look them up, but I believe it was two sacks on the game uh, from defensive ends, um, which is, I mean, two more, well, three more than we, or two more than we've seen, I believe, the rest of the season. I think Mitchell Melton might have, might have had one at the jack position. But um, yeah, man, I, JT and um, Jack were both getting home. Um, Kenyatta Jackson played a lot too. I, I'm going to look up the, the snap counts here, but um, all in all, like it, it appeared that the defensive line was, you know, actually getting, actually getting some, some rotations and actually getting home. Um, yeah. Caden Curry played, here's your snap breakdown. Jack Sawyer played 43 snaps. JT Tuomaloa played 40 snaps. Caden Curry played 23 snaps. Uh, Kenyatta Jackson played 21. And then more in the second team, Mitchell Melton played 13 and Amari Abor played seven. So um, I think that, it, it, I mean, it was a good game. It was a good game. Um, I, I think Melton and Abor only saw action on, I believe, the last series of the game. But all in all, like they... They did it that game. They they really um, stepped up. That was probably their best game is pass rushers from Jack and uh, JT. Um, obviously, the the interior line, too. Ty Leak, specifically. Um, Mike Hall, too, had really strong performances. Um, the line in general played really well. Uh, the linebackers... Honestly, I wasn't watching the linebackers as closely, because I was more interested in what the defensive line was going to do. Um, I noticed a lot of Cody Simon. Um, that could have been a, yeah, the snap breakdown. This is, I believe this is the first time in two years that uh, Cody Simon has played more snaps than Steel Chambers. Tommy Eichenberg played 55 snaps. Cody Simon played 45. Uh, Steel Chambers played 32. CJ Hicks played 11. So, um, it seemed like Steel Chambers and Cody Simon were just like rotating by drive. Um, and that's kind of why their numbers look the way that they did. Um, I know Cody Simon, after Steel came out, rotated over to the Mike spot and CJ Hicks came in at will, um, which is all in all a very weird situation to me. Um, CJ Hicks, he only played 11 snaps. Um, he's just not going to play this year. I, I think that's the reality. I think barring injuries to frankly two linebackers I'm just not sure he's going to get on the field I think that's that ship has sailed at this point um you know I looking at it they clearly want him as a will and they clearly see Cody Simon is better than better than him at will um and Cody Simon is clearly the backup Mike linebacker too so the third linebacker at either position is going to be Cody Simon so the only chance that CJ Hicks would have at getting on the field here is if um, you know, Eichenberg and, and slash or steel chambers went down and then he would become the second linebacker, at least at the will position. So CJ Hicks, I don't know what the hell's the deal there, but 
it's clear that he is, you know, a distant fourth in the rotation. Um, and you know, here's the thing. I know that I know that a lot of people see the five star and they want to I mean they just they assume that he is an incredible player. He was awesome in high school. I thought that he was going to be an incredible uh linebacker at Ohio State too. Um I don't think anybody, you know, thought anything different when he was signing with Ohio State. But I think we just have to be prepared for the fact that um the guys in front of him are better. You know, I, I, it's not like Steel Chambers slash Cody Simon. Cody Simon was fine this weekend, um, but it's not like either of them have been so good that there'd be no incentive for Jim Knowles or, um, well, I guess just Jim Knowles, he's the one who coaches the linebackers, to, you know, give Cody Simon or give uh, CJ Hicks a chance. Like, there has got to be a reason why he has not played yet. Um, I personally would love to see him get, you know, I, I want to see with my eyes just because I'm not watching practice, but there's got to be a reason why he hasn't played yet. And uh, if you want to go with guys who you believe are more proven and they just simply, Cody Simon has not, or and, uh, and CJ Hicks has simply not performed, like, I, I get it, you know? It, I I have a hard time believing that he is uh, at least not just as good as Cody Simon or Steel Chambers have been this year because, frankly, the past few games, Steel Chambers has not been awesome, um, and Cody Simon is is who he is. I think he's fine. Um, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a very bizarre situation. Um, he only played 11 snaps. He obviously didn't make, like, any huge plays or anything in those 11 snaps, but... Um, it's it's very bizarre. It's it's. I I don't want it to end up like Von Bell, where fans were calling for him all year over Pitt Brown, and um, he finally gets inserted into the game, and all of a sudden, like, oh look, he's better now, you know. Um, but at the same time, like, I don't know. I just I I I think we need to be prepared for the fact that he just simply isn't ready to play, and I think that's like hard to fathom for a lot of people because he was the. I think he's the highest rated linebacker Ohio State has ever signed. But, um, you know, sometimes you get to college and things are different and stuff doesn't translate, whatever. Um, I think the best that he can hope for is uh, to be, you know, good next year because he, he's going to get his shot next year because Tommy Eichenberg's gone, Steel Chambers is gone. Um, I assume Cody Simon. I, I mean, there's there's just a, a lot of a lot of movement that's going to happen on the on the linebacking core and he is going to have a crack at first at the first team next year. So, um I'm not hitting the panic button on him yet, but I think it's a possibility that like, you know, the other guys in front of him are just a little bit better, a little bit more consistent, um prove it more in practice and there's just no reason to think that he is pushing them or um replacing them for reps right now is is insane as that sounds. So, um it's a certainly an interesting situation, but uh, you know, it's it, it it is what it is, and I think it's just clear that we're not going to see him on the field this year. Um, in terms of the secondary, I thought the secondary played well. Um, I think the Purdue is not a exceptionally strong um, downfield passing attack, and they didn't have a a fantastic game this week either. Um, you know, I thought. I thought Egmanosin played a better game this week than he has. I, th I thought he's had a rough couple games. 
Um, he looked better, better this week. Um, Denzel Burke is still awesome. Um, I, I think this was a, a, a thing, a theme. I might get into this later, but, uh, Jihad Carter played this week. Um, I, I think we all expected him to be the, you know, the, the third linebacker or the third safety this year, um, alongside, I, I mean, my my three safeties this year were going to be Lathan Ransom, Sonny Styles, and Jahad Carter. And Josh Proctor has kind of taken over as one of the top uh, top safeties in that um, in that avenue. Um, you know, he is straight up. We were I was wrong about Josh Proctor. We've said that on the podcast before, um, and it looks like I might have been wrong about Jahad Carter too. In the opposite direction, you know, I think that. I expected him to be, um, when he was coming in, to be a super versatile plug-and-play safety at whatever position he was. And um, to be fair, like he, um, I mean, he he has been injured and he is behind guys who I think are playing really well too. It's not like he is, it's not like the, the, the safeties are playing horrific and he still can't get on the field. Like Josh Proctor's been great. Lathan Ransom's been great. Sonny Styles has been great. There's really nowhere to put him, but um, he is. The fact that he is not playing and is not starting means that I was wrong about him being uh, a plug-and-play awesome safety that was going to change Ohio State's defense. So um, I, I, I was wrong about Josh Proctor. He was better than I expected him to be, and I was wrong about Jahad Carter. Um, he is not pushing for the starting reps, but uh, on on the cornerbacks. Obviously, Denzel Burke got hurt. Um, you know, of course, Ryan Day was not willing to say anything about what happened at, at the uh, at the press conference after the game. He wasn't going to make a a big um, announcement or anything like that. And we're probably not going to hear anything until you know an hour and a half before the game. Um, but obviously, when he went out, I thought it was super interesting that Jermaine Matthews Jr was the the guy who came in to replace Denzel Burke when he left a game left the game with the injury um so I I you know I I, I am very excited about Jermaine Matthews I think it's interesting that he is presumably already passed Jair Brown because Jair Brown came in later um very clearly in a reserve role whereas Jermaine Matthews was in there as the um is like a, a corner that was you know um along with the first team defense. So it's pretty clear that maybe they would sub Jordan Hancock over in, in the long run. If like it was a long-term injury to Denzel Burke, um, maybe they wouldn't do Jermaine Matthews, but with them loving to sub in Jordan Hancock at the nickel, as they've done a lot this year, um, maybe they would go with Jermaine Matthews. Cause I think he's played really well, but all in all, it is very interesting to me that he seems to be the fourth corner. Um, and that means that he is probably in line to start next year too. So, uh, you know, I, me and Ryan were both very excited about him coming out of high school. Um, he had that pick six earlier in the season already. He, he has looked the part. Um, he looks ready for more snaps. And I, you know, weirdly, if, if one of these corners can't play, um, I, you know, I, I would be very happy to see um, Jermaine Matthews and feel 
very confident in him going forward. So, um, you know, weirdly, uh, maybe not weirdly, this makes all the sense in the world. Um, the only thing that was like somewhat disappointing against Purdue was special teams. And it's, it's kind of poetic. Um, Ohio State puts a, a complete game together, both sides of the ball, and then they just have straight-up horrific special teams play. Missed an extra point. Um, the uh, one, At least one kickoff went out of bounds. Um, just, just very funny that the, the most, like, clear, the only clear mistakes that you can point to and be like, oh, that wasn't good was, uh, was on special teams. So shout-out to Parker Fleming. Um, it's completely predictable, but the rest of the pod, I am going to go back and I am going to, um, just kind of take a look at some of the things we're six weeks in halfway through the regular season. Um, I'm going to look at some of the things that we were, I, I, I can't speak for, for Ryan on this one, um, that I was wrong about. Um, first off, I was wrong about Devin Brown and Kyle McCord. Uh, I think we both called that, that Devin Brown would be the starter, and it seemed like he was pushing, and it seemed like he had more of a chance to be the starter. Um, you know, with what we've seen from Kyle McCord, what we've seen from Devin Brown, it's pretty clear that Kyle McCord was more prepared to be the starter than Devin Brown. This. He's just been more consistent. He has been... He's just been more consistent. I think he's on a trajectory. He's growing every game. He looks much better every game. Uh, you know, he had that beautiful ball to... <laughs> he's just been more consistent. He's shown growth every week and... Honestly, like he just looks like the better quarterback at this point. That doesn't mean that I don't want to still see Brown on the field, but it, it seems clear that Kyle McCord was the correct choice at quarterback, and that was not what I would have predicted. Um, and, you know, shout out to Kyle McCord. I, I do think that he is getting better every week. Um, even this week, he had that perfect ball to Cardinal Tate across the middle. Um, you know, I, it, it seems weird to make such a big deal about like a almost a garbage time throw to an open receiver. But that was one of the first times where he has hit a deep pass. It was just perfectly timed, perfectly in stride. And when you look back at some of his other throws downfield, a lot of them, he is short. Um, I, I don't really even think they're underthrown. I don't think that it's it has anything to do with arm strength. I think he's late on a lot of these throws. I think he's late seeing them. Um you know, last week he had the, the late ball to uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. in the middle. He had the late ball to uh, Julian Fleming, where if he's early on both of those balls, he gets them on target, they're probably walk-in touchdowns. But this week, that if you look back at that pass to Carnell Tate, it was perfectly in sequence. His footwork was perfect. Um, he got the ball to Carnell Tate exactly when he should have. He didn't have to break stride. It was like... Again, it's it's a garbage time throw to a you know a backup receiver in a game that was already a blowout, but it was a perfect ball, and I think that just shows growth from him. So, um, you know, I I did not think that Kyle McCord was going to be bad um, by any means, but I did say that Devin Brown was going to be 
I did predict that Devin Brown was going to be the starting quarterback. So um, I was wrong about that. It's Kyle McCord, and he has been – he keeps getting better and better and better. So um, we'll see what he can do against Penn State this week. Um, obviously, another I was wrong was uh, Chip Trayanum. Um, I, you know, I – I thought that Trip Trayanum should have transferred back in the spring. I was wondering if he had eligibility or if he could finagle a grad transfer or something like that to go play somewhere else because I thought it was pretty clear that he wasn't going to play in the offense. Um, you know, it turns out that wasn't true. Um, he uh, has been, you know, really good this year. I think he has been a um, valuable, valuable piece of the Ohio State offense. Um, and you know what? Even if he wasn't getting first-team running back reps – it's very clear that there is going to be a role for him in this offense as a uh, as sort of a fullback or a second running back in the backfield. Like they were going to use him, um, whether he's like kind of like a replacement for Mitch Rossi or something like that. You saw that in the first game against Indiana. I mean, they were designing plays for him um, on on fourth down, like specifically for him. So I don't know. I I am um, I am interested to see what the game plan is going to be for him going forward especially if Dallin, Dallin Hayden appears to have earned more reps going forward. We'll, we'll see about that too. Maybe they'll still try to redshirt him or whatever. But um, yeah, I mean, I was obviously wrong about Chip Trayandum. Um He has been very good, and I frankly thought that he should have transferred. Um, another guy I was wrong about was um, definitely, I, I talked about this briefly, but Josh Proctor, um, you know, I... Would I? I would have been furious to to hear, or during the off season that Josh Proctor was playing, um, pretty much every defensive snap, uh, this late in the season. Um, but man, he has been. He hasn't just played. He's been awesome. You know, he has been one of the better players on the defense. Um, I, I to be fair to him, I think the talent has always been there. I think the physical ability has always been there. Um, and you even heard Jim Knowles last year, he called him, he said that he had potential to be maybe the, um, the best safety in the country. And I'm not sure I'd put him in that category yet, but man, he, he had that pick six last week and I'm not sure Ohio state wins that game last week without that pick six. Um, you know, he's, he's made some great plays and more than that, he has not given up big plays. I think that is the most important thing to me. It's not even that he, um, is out there making plays every time he touches the ball. It's that, you know, the number of times that I just simply don't hear his name. It's great, you know. Um, he is around the ball. He's making t- tackles. He is doing his job and uh, not causing problems. And I think as a safety, as a, as a deep safety, you know, that's a win. That's a win. So, um, you know, shout out to him. Um, I was wrong about Cade Stover. You know, I think I will I will come out and admit that. Um, you know, I, I thought Stover was a average, to like a, a fine tight end. I didn't think that he was anything awesome. I, you know, I, I thought that he was a, um, you know, I, I was glad to have him back simply because Ohio State didn't really have uh, depth at the position, but I didn't think he was anything special. I didn't think he was anything to write home about. Um, I never even really loved him as a receiver. Uh, obviously, he had those a few bad drops against Michigan, um, and he, you know, 
not his fault, but he didn't get to play against Georgia um, after he went out with with back spasms. So I I was not nice to Cade Stover. Um, probably did not give him the the credit that he deserves. But man, in the passing game, he has been awesome for Ohio State. He had a couple awesome catches this past week. Um, he had that tight window where he caught the ball at the goal line. He has been great for Ohio State this year. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I think that Ohio State's probably going to be in good hands with G. Scott next year um, at, at the position when he can kind of step forward and be like a, a, a full-time starter. Um, but, man, I, I, I think Cade Stover is awesome. Um, I, I'm not sure this Ohio State offense functions the way it does without him. He has been a, a great safety blanket, a guy who can um, really thrive when you've got Emeka Abuka and Marvin Harrison Jr. on the outside getting bracketed. The middle of the field is open, and to his credit, he has taken full advantage of um, getting those targets downfield. I will say, I still don't think he is a great blocker, um, but in a lot of ways, I think he kind of is who he is at this point, and I'm not even sure that it's on him that he is uh, put in some of these really stressful positions and has to make big blocks and stuff like that. Like, on some level, the coaching staff just has to know who he is and embrace who he is, and it's a big target tight end um, that can make catches downfield. If you're expecting him to make big-time blocks or, um, you know, effectively serve as a a second offensive tackle or lead block like a fullback, like, it's just not going to happen. It will sometimes, and I'll give him credit for when it does, but um, that's just not who he is as a player. And so I think that whenever I complain from here on out about Stover being a bad blocker, it's not even on him. You know, it's it's on the coaching staff for putting him in the, in the position to, to to not succeed. But I was wrong about Cade Stover. Um, he he's been great. Uh, unfortunately, I was one hundred percent right about the Ohio State offensive line, um, with just how abysmally bad that it has been. I will say that it has been a better pass blocking offensive line than I expected. I expected it to be much worse in pass blocking. Um, and so that is at least a positive. I feel decently okay about their ability to pass block downfield. Um, I I don't love it still, and I am still a little bit terrified of what Ohio State's going to do against Penn State. But all in all, um, it the, the pass blocking has been better. The run blocking, however has been worse than I could have ever imagined Um, against Maryland. It was that game against Maryland might've been the single worst pass blocking or run blocking offensive line performance I have ever seen from Ohio state. It was jarringly bad. Um, And so I don't know it, it, it is just simply not up to the standard of Ohio state and it is hamstringing their offense at this point. Um, you know, I, I think we've talked about it. There are things that Ohio State can do to make running the ball a little bit easier, and they did do it, to be clear, against Purdue this week, um, whether it's outside, whether it's even... They didn't do a lot of screen passes, but throwing screen passes, getting the ball out quick, quick slants, stuff like that, um, having two running backs, using motion, um, having some run reliefs where you, uh, you know, 
run the ball outside or fake a jet sweep, something like that. Like there's a lot of things they can do to make the, make running the ball a little bit easier. Um, and installing the quarterback run, like that's another thing too. But the fact that Ohio State has to do that because their offensive line simply cannot execute basic run plays, basic run concepts, can't get to the second level on, you know, any play, especially on the inside, it's very concerning and it is hamstringing their offense. Because if Ohio State has to spend their time, you know, scheming around a bad offensive line in the running game, that means fewer opportunities to scheme up a team uh, down the field. If you're worried about having a competent rushing attack, it really takes away from the opportunities that you have to set loose your wide receivers and stuff like that too. So um, even if it's fine, even if there are ways to fix it, it is still a massive problem that Ohio State simply cannot run the ball effectively. And uh, you could see it coming a mile away. And I was right about that. Ryan was right about that. Um, we've been talking about this for literally months. And as it turns out, the offensive line isn't great. Um, I, you know, I, I, I don't even know. I don't even know if there's anybody on the offensive line that has been like Matt Jones, I guess, has been pretty good. Like, I, I think I'm happy about Matt Jones being there. But like, I mean, me and Ryan have both been huge Matt Jones guys since last year, maybe even the year before. Um, I've thought that he has been one of the best at his best is one of the best interior linemen in the country. Um, so I'm not really surprised by that, but man, everyone else has been, has had their, their brutal performances, um, whether it's in the run game or the pass game. So, uh, I, I am hoping that the, the past or the past pass, I'm hoping that the pass pro will be, um, good enough against Penn state. And I am hoping that they will be able to scheme up the running game enough that it will be able to do something against Penn state. But, um, yeah, the offensive line, unfortunately we were extremely right about the offensive line. Um, we were also right about Parker Fleming. Um, I think the special teams this year has been downright embarrassing. Um, I don't, I'm not even looking at the SP plus right now. Um, but I know that that's going to be the worst category. It has been the worst category, uh, for Ohio state, um, for two years. Um, and it's, man, it's just like, it's simple stuff too. I'm, I'm not going to give, you know what? I will though. The reason why, the reason why you missed your first extra point on grass, it was absolutely had to do with his plant foot. Um, and the fact that he was not prepared to go and kick an extra point or kick on grass, um, that speaks to the coaching, you know, like I, I just, God, I, I'm trying not to get worked up about Parker Fleming, but the number of just like small little issues that happen on special teams are adding up to a rate that it is growing more and more insane that Ohio state employs a full-time special teams coach for this to be the result. Like would the results be and it, you know, and it's, it's not even that like it is that he sucks, but it's just like, what's the above replacement value here? Like, do you sincerely believe that what Parker Fleming is getting for you, uh, is doing for you on special teams is a 10th assistant, a 10th full-time assistant coach is better than a GA could do because I'm not, you know, like I look across the country and if you're not better at special teams, if you're not a top tier special teams, uh, team 
and you're not better than all of the the hundred other teams that don't employ a full-time special teams coach. Like, like what are we doing here? And I, I think that's what, that's the thing that drives me insane. Like I know Ryan probably hates Parker Fleming more than I do. Um, and thinks that he's actively sabotaging Ohio state's team. I might not be there, but I just think it's, it's a waste of a 10th assistant spot. It's a waste of resources. It's a waste of a spot on a coaching staff. If you have a, a full-time special teams coach and the special teams hasn't been good for, for two years, like I wouldn't even really be complaining about Ohio State special teams if Ohio State didn't literally employ a full-time special teams coach. Like, that's the thing for me. Um, we were. I, I'm not even going to say that I was right that Parker Fleming's bad. I'm just right that Ohio State should not be employing him as a full-time special teams coach. If Parker Fleming was a GA and running the special teams this way, I wouldn't give a shit. Like, it's fine. But the fact that he is a full-time coach and Ohio State's kicking the ball out of bounds, missing extra points... Um, botching uh, punts, even if it wasn't a fake punt. Um, the fact that it fucking looked like a fake punt is concerning enough. Um, just weird procedural stuff that they can't get right. Um, their coverage has not been good. Uh, their punt returns and kick returns have been fine at best. Like, there's just nothing that seems to be better with him being the special teams coach than anything we've seen the past 20 to 30 years or whatever. So, um, we were right about Parker Fleming. I am willing to withhold judgment on the defensive line and Larry Johnson. Um, I'm, I'm not ready to say that I was right or wrong on Larry Johnson just yet. Um, I think that they played well the um, the game against uh, the game against Purdue this week, um, and I, I'm willing to wait and see what they do against Penn State before declaring this one way or the other. Um, you know, I, I think that if anything. I was right that they need to ro- they need to rotate defensive ends way more. Um, I think that against Notre Dame, when JT Tuomaloau and um, Jack Sawyer were completely ineffective, um, those last two ish drives, um, the the final drive when JT came out and made some great plays, uh, you know that was that was great. But um, the two drives before that. Jack Sawyer and JT Tumolala were completely ineffective because they played the entire game beforehand. They were exhausted. They were gassed. They clearly, in in a in a scheme that just relies on them being physically better and just better pass rushers than the offensive line as blockers, they were completely ineffective. And um, that's something that we talked about at length before the season started. Um, the red flag of Ryan Day saying, we're going to rotate defensive ends less. They didn't need to rotate defensive ends less. They didn't. If anything, they needed to rotate defensive ends more. The problem was not that Ohio State needed to rotate its defensive ends less. It was that they needed better backup defensive ends. So um, that's kind of where I'm at there. Uh, I, I don't know um, whether or not. I'm, I'm willing to wait and see about Ohio State's pass rush performance um, by and large, but the one thing that we were certainly right about is that Ohio State needs to be rotating its defensive ends. So um, past that, I'm sure there's more things that we were either right or wrong about. I'm not afraid to admit that we were wrong on some things. Um, I think we were right about a lot of things too, but um, if if there are things that we missed, please tell me, um, and we will be glad to address them on Thursday. Uh, Ryan's going to be back. We're going to be pre- previewing Penn State. Damn. Buy Home Field Apparel. Um, they are our perfect sponsor, our only sponsor. 
Um, sorry that it's this late in the podcast, but, uh, you know, if, if you need geared up for the big game, um, or any big game for that matter, uh, head over to homefieldapparel.com, use the code meet at midfield for 50, 15% off your first order. Um, use the code meet at midfield again. That is our website famously, but, um, yeah, it's great stuff. Uh, whispers of some new Ohio State apparel that's going to be dropping. Can't say much, but I can say that you will be very enthused by it. But other than that, we will see you Thursday. Once again, Ryan will be back. We'll be previewing Penn State, um, give a full breakdown of the game. Um, Didn't really talk Penn State much this week, just kind of talked Ohio State generally. So um, we'll get into it. But uh, go Bucks! Michigan sucks and help is on the way.